0: Unmakers. I'm Tim Burrows from Unmade. Welcome to the Unmakers, a series in which I talk to people who are trying to remake the media and marketing world. Each episode, I talk to people who are doing business differently. We're going to meet the startups, the troublemakers and the dreamers who've looked at the communications industry and are trying to find a better way. If you're an Unmaker with a story to tell about how you're changing the media and marketing world, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at tim at unmade dot media. Before you remake it, you've got to Unmake it. In today's episode of the Unmakers, I talked to Jack Byrne and Troy Townsend, the co-founders of Zitcher. Zitcher thinks of itself as a DSP or demand-side platform for the retail world. It helps retailers turn their own assets, including online and in-store, into publishing platforms by connecting them to brand messages. Troy, the CEO of Zitcher, was previously boss of digital platform Tiger Pistol before selling the business. Jack's day job is as managing director of independent media agency Hatched. Having got off the ground in Australia, Zitcher is now doing a seed stage capital raising to go global. To begin with, I asked Troy how the two of them came to be working together.
1: Uh, it's, it's a really good question that's happened over quite a few years, Tim. Um, so, obviously, Jack um, has built his media business hatched um, over the last 10 years. And over the last 10 years, I've built a business called uh, Tiger Pistol. And, and through that journey, we have. Um, We've had shared clients and um, and got closer through clients, and um, we we've we've sort of started to see the uh, retail media space sort of start to come into into play. And both of us looking at you know how this uh, how this space could could affect our our businesses. And about three years ago, I sold out of uh, Tiger Pistol, and um, and me and Jack sort of started
0: to work through uh, you know where there was some opportunities. So. Um, it's, been lot, it's been a long. It's been a long journey. Well, look, it's worth mentioning Tiger Pistol because that was one of the, I guess, the big names in the first digital wave. Um, what What was the Tiger Pistol story, briefly, for people who don't know?
1: So, Tiger Pistol was a was a platform that uh, basically helped automate the process of building Facebook ads for for big channel partners. Um, Globally, so um, we sort of took the journey of of working really closely with uh, with Facebook, or as as they're called Meta now, and um, basically helped them grow um, their long tail big channel partners, um, uh, automating the process of, of ads for SMBs. So we sold out. We sold out it. We sold out of that business about three years ago. So we sold it to private equity in um, in the US.
0: So, Jack, you um, have had the sort of the parallel journey, and with Hatched as well. Um, what brought you to this point?
2: Um, well, obviously the uh, the 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 what I've seen over the last ten years, and and the environmental issues such as um, the proliferation of data, and and what I've seen in the um, programmatic perspective, and the ad tech, and some of the dirty tactics that comes with that as as well. Um, there's also, you know, you've seen the development of the cartology and, and, and the, the first-party data is ultimately where it's closest to the customer and, and as a media agency, we spend all of our time and effort getting as close to the customer as we can. Um, when retail media started becoming a thing, and it's always been a thing, it's probably important to note that retail media in its form, whether it's a shelf wobbler or decals on the floor you know this is not new, um, but certainly targeting that customer and and closing the loop from a um, from a media perspective all the way through to the point of sale is something that's always been of interest. Mainly because we've just we've had clients, whether it's retailers themselves or suppliers of those retailers, wanting to to drive incremental sales, then that's always been our job. So um, it's always been keen for us because. You know, at Hatch, we, we've always wanted to um, act as agents of positive change is, is kind of our vision of, of the business and this is something that um, really came out of that and a few conversations with Troy and, and we I, I've always enjoyed and uh, working with Troy but also um, really um, admired the way his mind works and the 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 way that the world's working and the technology and whatnot and it's something that we came together and not not to say it wasn't over a couple of beers but it was over a couple of beers and a few more and and it's it's grown since
0: well we'll get into the product in a moment so Zitcher officially launched back in June it has its roots in another product called TP collab um so what was the evolution from there to here then Troy
1: when we sold Tiger Pistol um, three years ago, we we sold our technology platform. But over the uh, over the eleven years of building Tiger Pistol, we also built a quite a large um, service business. Um, and in the exit of of, um, of of focusing on one piece of technology, we incubated um, this product in TP, and we called it TP Collab, and. Um, we sort of had a you know had a really good um, bit of time to to relook at the market you know moving out of ad tech ad tech as a, in its entirety a, is totally shifting the landscape is shifting um, obviously with the um, with the environmental impacts of, of privacy legislation and and deprecation of cookies um, we sort of had the the beauty of being able to look at you know at a fresh sheet of paper and See where it was going. And, and this, you know, this really, um, came out of that. And, you know, we, um, we've, we obviously done a lot of work with, with Facebook through the journey. We've done a lot of work with Google through the journey. And, um, these are, this space was something that they're, they're both looking at quite, quite closely. Um, obviously, cause it's directly connected to, to a lot of first party data. And, um, yeah, so we incubated for the first 12 months. We just built and, um, we sort of tried to build a product market fit. Um, we were lucky enough to, to get a couple of early adopting retailers as alpha partners and, um, you know, really got into, into the cycle of them, um, trying to work through this space and work out, you know, what they need to do in this space to be successful. And, um, and then we, you know, we just, we sort of, we uncovered something that was was even bigger than I first thought, um, and you know, with the with the likely um, changes that happened to iOS 14 and um, the amount of signal data that data that the the big platforms like Meta were receiving, it sort of just started to to really put a fire under um, under this this space. And you know, obviously, you know, we had competitors in the space that were only really focused on. Um, on owned assets for retailers like citrus got get, getting acquired like there was quite a few environmental factors that that really blew up the opportunity as we as we were incubating it within that that tp environment
0: well we'll come on to the sort of the the, the, the partners in a moment and the the competitors as well um let's um, let, let's drill down a bit now let's actually talk about i guess the key thing is what problem are you actually trying to solve so
1: so the problem the problem we're trying to solve is we're trying to um we're basically with with the changing landscape of of media um brands need need to be able to buy media that they can basically their performance media that they can track um conversion through and um you know you've got the likes of amazon um, who globally made thirty-one billion dollars as an ad platform last year, basically off the back of being able to um, track um, transactions and, and conversions. So they're a closed-looped media business, which which is absolutely valuable, um, and it's something a lot of the major publish- publishers actually can't do. Um, and you, you sort of you sort of start to see that, and you start to see the evolution of of some really big retailers. Um, particularly, you see it here with Cartology and Coles and um, Chemist Warehouse, but you also see in the US with the likes of um, of Walmart and Kroger and Albertsons that are that are building their own retail media networks and making some some serious headway in, um, in to be able to compete um, in this media space with with the likely, the likes of Amazon. So, so I think you know when we look at what are we actually solving in this space is is we're making it super easy for retailers to turn into intermediate um, publishers, number one. That's the, the critical mission that we're on. Um, and And we're also making it really easy for brands to access inventory that they have never been able to access in the past.
0: Well, which is a great um moment then i I suppose to firstly maybe give us some examples where you're allowed to talk about them about some retail brands and suppliers you've got on board, and maybe just give me a a practical example or two of how, in this new environment, a message might reach a consumer in a way it wouldn't have done before,
1: yeah, well, I think i mean we're 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 moving into the age of real personalization, and I mean I've talked about personalization. Through the last ten years of of my of my journey, but but this is really um, you know really exciting. Number one for a brand, um, being able to access um, a cohort of um, users that buy their product or similar products of theirs through retailers to be able to directly um, directly come in contact with them.
0: Um, so, give me a sort of example of the sort of brand you're thinking of.
1: Yeah, so so let's let's talk about um, Diageo as an example. So Diageo um, have spent money with their retailer with their retailers. Um, you know, we can look at the likes of let's use Thirsty Camel as an example. Um, now they've got. Um, they've got trade contracts in place with those guys. that They've typically bought um, media through traditional realms, like they've bought in-store um, wobblers, they've bought um, catalogue. Like really, catalogue was was sort of 1.0 of retail media. Um, and now what you're seeing is this transition to, um, to them starting to buy digital assets. So they're actually going on and buying um, keywords like they would on Google on um, Thirsty Camel's website, um, which in turn then when someone comes in um, to type in um, a certain craft beer, for example, um, that craft beer is giving them first slot on the products that actually surface within um, their transition to buy. Right. So, so really what we're starting to see is that um, brands are being able to access inventory um, as close to the point of purchase that than they've ever been able to access in the past, um, which is obviously um, really valuable for the brand. Um, and then you've got the retailers that already have those assets in place. They already um, have the ability to search on their website. They have the ability to surface products. Um, but they're actually giving the retail the ability to monetize that so so they can not only drive a better customer experience but but they can also start to to create a new revenue stream to be able to compete against the likes of an amazon for example so um, so I think that's the really exciting exciting bit of this space is it's it's a win 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 so it's a win for the brand because the brand actually gets to to advertise to the specific audience at the point of purchase um, and be able to track to conversion. Um, number two, for the retailer, it's it's super exciting because um, they have now have the ability to really change the media landscape and change the way they do business to be able to compete against um, an Amazon of the world that they haven't been able to compete against in the past. And three, for the consumer, I think I think this space really drives you know, personalization. so when the consumer is um, is browsing on a website or getting an EDM or um, looking at um, at uh, content across Facebook or across Google, they're getting a purely personalised experience to deliver an ad that is is highly optimised for them um, as an individual, which I think, um, you know, the likes of Facebook and Google have done this really, really well over the last 10 years and I think this is going to be the next um, iteration of, of personalization that, that comes through um, through the media landscape.
2: Just to add to that point, I think there's another win in there. Obviously, we spoke about the win from a um, brand, a win from the consumer, a win from the retailer, but there's also a win for the media and the platforms that that particularly for Zitra that we've identified that, um, you know, from a media supplier or, or a walled garden and, and a retailer we consider as a publisher, But there's the ability to transact and that that transaction, and the ease to transact within the ecosystem is really important. So um, ultimately, if you can tie that transaction to a actual physical transaction in store or online, then it's more accountable media and more attribution towards media. And that's better for everyone as well.
0: Well, look, you both touched on that accountability or sort of measurement point, um, which is probably just worth exploring a bit more. So, what data or information or signals are you able to give a brand that wouldn't have been possible before?
1: Number one, the things that the signals that they're being able to see is they're going to be able to see the signals from the individual retailers' customers. So, most most brands that don't have a direct to customer um, approach. Um, have never really been able to use any of the um, of the real data of understanding the retailer's customers. But this, number one, gives them um, access to be able to use that, um, which in turn gives them um, better opportunity to spend, number one, across the retailers, um, what we classify their owned assets, so the assets that they they own internally, so um, website, email, email, in-store screens, all of these things that they haven't ever had access to in the past. But it also um, gives them access to utilize those audiences across um, meta. So Facebook and Instagram, um, uh, Google, YouTube, um, Pinterest, um, Snap, TikTok. So think about all these wall gardens that are really built off the back of um, having strong cohorts and strong first party to be able to get the best out of them Um, these brands now have access to be able to utilize that through their retailers
0: and the brands and presumably retailers as well are obviously very sensitive about their own data Um, how do you make them comfortable that you are also protecting their data at the same time
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's a huge one. Um, I think a lot of retailers at the moment are are sort of working around like, how do they build a retail network? How do they make sure that they're, um, they're protecting their first party and the data that they have, um, to not only differentiate them to, to other retailers, but also, um, to make sure that they've got maximum value and they've got maximum control. So, you know, we build Zitcher with a view of, you know, really building for the retailer. Um, making sure that we're not um, we're helping them structure their data, but we're not actually touching the data that they they're sitting on. And also, um, the brands are not are not able to take their data and use it for other things. It's all very um, structured and connected in a way that they can utilize the data as they build their ad units. But um, there's no sharing of data outside of that. So. You know, I think a big part that we're seeing now is retailers want to be in control of and feel really comfortable and confident in this space. Um, and that's one thing that we've, we've, we've made sure um, is happening is to make sure that they're in full control of um, the data that they have and who they share that data with as well. So, you know, they can be very specific on certain cohorts they have to certain brands that get to utilise that. Not everyone gets to utilise that. Um, really sort of helping them sort of really control not only the surfaces that they want to sell, um, but also how they utilise the data that connects with those surfaces.
0: Well, Jack, let me bring you in a bit as well. Um, uh, Maybe let's just talk a bit of an overview of the sector itself, sort of retail media. Um, One of the kind of announcements we've seen shortly before we record this is um, uh, Woolworths or cartology which is their their kind of retail shopper arm buying shopper media for a headline of 150 million dollars so there's there's a lot going on in the sector generally what what do you see as the key developments you know what what's been driving this market in the last few years
2: being closest to the customer is the job for every marketing manager or agency globally right So once the retailer in question identifies that and and invests in that, whether it's building the cohorts and what we're seeing from a retailer perspective, the really good ones are spending the time and money and resources in actually building out their data sets first because understanding the cohorts within the retailer element, you're able to put different values on the different cohorts and the ones that are doing really well will benefit the most. So that's that's what we're seeing the first and foremost. The, the likes of what Cartology done, really smart move from their perspective, in my view. It adds another part to their ecosystem that they can sell against. Owning that asset, you know, selling that asset at a 90% margin, the payback on that investment will be pretty quick, I'd imagine. So again, a really it's a big deal in our landscape. Payback is fabulous. And from our perspective, again, we we totally support it because it, it got to a point that um, when Cartology launched back in 2019, I know from a Hatch perspective, and we've got FMCG clients, Then, generally what we saw is the likes of a Cartology and the, whatnot, they're the first ones to go on a media, rate, me, media schedule. They're the first ones because it's a no-brainer that you want to target the customers close to the point of sale. So, but there were still challenges, and the challenges that we saw with that is, is from an operational perspective because a lot of it's still very manual. It's still very closed to agencies, whereby you know the predominantly what we're seeing is retailer and supplier having their trade marketing budgets being tied into their overall contracts. And then, actually, what's happening at the retailer's end? It's all manual, you know, manual programming of YouTube, manual, you know, all all of that is very um, high touch from resourcing, from human beings, and otherwise. The and one of the one of the problems that we're trying to solve is that operational side of things. Going okay, well, the, you max out inventory really quickly. And you max out capacity really quickly based on the fact that it's human-led. So where Zitcher comes into it is, is really by adding in an ecosystem play across the likes of Meta and Google and YouTube, which is all built in, um, then A, the inventory is unlimited. And then also from a human perspective, um, they can start talking to the long tail of suppliers, whereby, you know, previously they're probably, they're monetizing, say, 20% of their customer base or their supplier base until they max out their inventory and their capacity. So, what we're doing is providing these retailers with a long list of suppliers, the ability to actually access 100% of them and monetize 100% of them and maximise the opportunity for them. So, um,
0: yeah, that's that's what we're saying. Okay. Now, just before we drill a bit more into your business model, Troy, something I wanted to just come back to that you mentioned earlier, Amazon, um, something like $31 billion around the world as a retail media outlet, as an advertising outlet, effectively. Yet my sense is in Australia, they haven't had the same level of impact. Um, firstly, I suppose I'll be curious whether you agree with that. But secondly, I wonder if you do. If you have a feeling on why that is,
1: yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't have the um, the direct numbers in front of me, but they are definitely making an impact year on year here in Australia. They are definitely growing um, quite rapidly. Um, you know, I think that the, the thirty one billion is a big number, and obviously, we're only Australia is only a very small part of that um, from a from an opportunity perspective as well. But, but I think I think what you'll find is that they're going to um, they're picking up steam. Quite rapidly. I mean, I think their their entrance into the market was a bit slower than what what everyone first thought they were going to be, and um, but I feel like they are slowly but surely, and I wouldn't slowly but surely is probably not the right word. I think they're creeping up on everyone, um, and I think that we're going to sort sort of start to see the impact of that, um, which which we're starting to see the um, on the flip side of <clears throat> of Amazon. I think I think we're you know, retailers are really starting to see um, them as a as a clear competitive threat, um, which they've talked about for for years ever ever since they were they sort of came into the Australian market. But I think definitely now they're looking at how do they really combat against um, against them as a business.
0: Okay, well we've talked a bit about how you solve the problem for the for the industry, which obviously is a service. I guess the other the other part of the equation is in order for you to be around you you've, you've got to make a dollar um I should I crudely think of you as an ad network is is that really the method that you make your money
1: Yeah I mean I think you know we are like a DSP for retailers basically so you know we make it very simple for them to bring their inventory to market and deliver that inventory to specific um suppliers and specific brands Um, so so that that is probably how you would look at it i think i think in the stage that we're in within the market is (coughs) retailers bringing their inventory to market Um, i see you know in the us these things starting to come where there's multiple retail um media networks coming to market with individual um retailers where Brands are going, well, you know, how am I comparing apples to apples or apples to oranges? And I think you're going to start to see a bit more, um, which we're, where we're starting to look at is like aggregation of how do we make it really simple to buy across multiple retailers? Um, so I think, I think you, um, the, the big piece is, you know, making it very simple on both sides, you know, being on the retailer side to bring their assets and control the inventory that they have. And I think, you know, to Jack's point earlier around cartology, um, that the purchase of is really they're buying more inventory they're buying a broader broader subset so you know as a, as a brand you know makes the cartology model a lot more appealing when I can buy you know in store I can buy on online I can buy sort of their digital out of home as well so so I think you know these guys are really starting to ramp up the fact that they're they're media businesses and, and adding value um, into the brands and you know I think f- from our perspective is You know, in Australia, as we sort of as we start to see more networks come to market, that's going to be one thing. Um, But making this space um, uncomplicated is going to be a very, very big, um, unique offering in market. Because I think you know, in the US, I was in the US last week um, at at a a retail media conference, and you know, they just talked about how um, this space can be. Can be overly complicated from a brand perspective, and um, I think you know there's a job to be done as as the um, as the space really grows to make it to make it really easy for, for everyone to be able to use um, and and spend and continue to spend in the space.
0: And just um, drilling a bit more into the business model, so effectively you clip the ticket of each placement. That that that's your main business model. That's
1: correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We t- we take a, a percentage of, of the media, and those are on standard terms. Yeah. So so we we take a, a clip of the, of the media that goes through the the platform. Um, <laughs> so it makes it really. I mean, it's an easy one for for most retailers to understand. They can work out what margin they're going to make. Um, and it's a, it's a nice, simple transaction and it is, it is on standard, standard terms with, with the retailer. That's where we, we set up the, um, set up the model. We're not directly in the
0: brand. And what are those terms? What, 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 what percentage clip is yours?
1: So, so it it varies based on the size of the media. So it can be anywhere from, you know, 10% down to, you know, 4%, depending on where it, where it plays.
0: Okay. Now let me bring, um, Jack back in. Um, cause I think this is a good one for where you span the two worlds of media agencies as well. I'm, I'm sort of wondering whether Zitcher is a friend or potential foe for agencies. And that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a question partly inspired by a, a guest post I recently read in ad news from Troy. I'll read out the headline for our, for our audience. Uh, headline is retail media could provide your agency new revenue stream. But then it's the second part of the headline, which intrigues me, or could cut your lunch. And then this, uh, the, the 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 final line of the piece from Troy is again making that similar argument. All this ultimately means more billable time. And isn't it better if clients on both sides talk to you rather than going direct to the retailers and cutting you out of the action? Now that all sounds like a very controversial, don't you think, Troy? Yeah, look, very I'm I'm, in, I'm intrigued by it because it does sound like a bit of a missed message to media agencies that um that maybe you're gonna um you're going to be taking a slice of the action away from them.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I'll, I'll take this obviously with the media agency background because it's something that um the the whole world of retail media. If I was to be frank, scare the shit out of me, right? As a as an agency model, where we are a service based business in a service based industry, where you know FMCG clients and suppliers of retailers, don't, where's the value that a agency can provide to ensure that our existence is 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 there in the first place? But ultimately, there's there's two ways to go about it: is, is accepting that fact. Or from an agency perspective, and something that we're really leaning into at Hatched is embracing it and building out services that surround it. Because, as Troy alluded to it um, in the earlier, is the the media, the retail media space is growing rapidly. We're still very much in the infancy, and it's the, the retailers themselves aren't yet quite organised. to. You see the cartologies, you see Coles Media, and in Australia it's very easy to kind of get blinded by that. But if you look at Tier 2, Tier 3s, you know, even other re, uh, retailers in the Tier 1 space, you've got the merch teams and you've got, you know, um, the, the marketing teams, but no one really owns the media teams. So, and then the same from an agency space, what can you add value? And ultimately what's going to happen, once all of these retailers get organized and have retail media platforms and retail media networks to buy into, then you've got to flip your head into the brand's perspective and go, well, where do I get the best return? And it it goes back to the genesis of a media agency in the first place is, helping the clients navigate a tricky landscape where they, you know, brands, are they know the retail media space, they value the retail media space, but they n- might not know how to navigate the retail media space. And and ultimately, um, one thing that you'll see Hatch doing is really um, delving deep into not only Zitcher but the likes of Amazon. You know, Amazon is coming and, and you'd be stupid to think that they're not coming Um, they have been here for a while, they are growing year on year, month on month, but, um, you know, a lot of suppliers don't know how to navigate them. So it's understanding that, as a view, will give you an idea as to where the benefit is from an agency perspective because there are services and requirements to wrap around the proliferation of the technology that will ultimately either benefit you or you let someone else do it. And you look at the... um, Publicist acquisition of Citrus last year. You know, they paid $205 million for a platform and they've wrapped it into their Epsilon product. And all of a sudden, Epsilon Publicist, they've got a strong point of difference within the marketplace that can talk to retailers and suppliers alike. Um, now you've got no one else left to buy. And it's not to say that we will be sold or bought by or or even where for sale for any of the agency networks, but we can certainly work with them, and that's the interesting part.
0: What I'm amused by is as soon as you started saying you weren't for sale, a big smile came onto Troy's <laughs> face because we 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 can see each other on video, although this is only an audio um, podcast. Which which is a, a I suppose is a good point for me to sort of raise that that that. that question sort of troy or to both of you is is i guess one of the points of the Unmakers makers podcast is yes we're talking about industry models useful to the industry um and i think maybe we also have an audience of people i hope we do who are interested in investing in new things as well um and i presume that you know one, once you have an idea like this in order to scale it takes investment so i'm I'm wondering, Troy, what what you see as the barriers to scaling, or where you need to invest. I mean, the, the thing that occurred to me obviously was it it feels like you'd need a sales force, and if you're going to go global, that means a global sales force.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think, um, like any tech business, right? Um, you need to invest in in the product, the R and D, and your sales team and your marketing. So you know we we've got it to to a point where um you know we we've, we've been in a great position to be able to self fund it to to today and um but we definitely understand that to to scale and grow fast like this this opportunity is um is time sensitive um and you know that takes capital so yeah we're definitely we're in the process of of um capital raising at the moment for the business so um, hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, close that off, um, pretty shortly. Um, but definitely this, this, this business is, is set to, to grow outside of the geography of Australia and New Zealand. And we are, we definitely have a, a global first mindset. And, you know, um, we've been very focused on understanding where this space is moving in different markets, bigger markets in Australia, Southeast Asia, the US, Europe. Um, you know, South America, like this space is, is at its infancy across all of those markets with, um, with not a heap of competitive pressure right now. I would think that competitive pressure will come, um, you, know, you know, over time. Um, and I think the next sort of 12 to 24 months um, is going to be really critical for us to, to get our position in market and, and get the opportunity moving.
0: And this round of capital raising, are you still open to more conversations or are you closing off the conversations you're having? Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, no, we're I mean we're we're pretty close to closing off this round. But, you know, I think um, you know, capital raising is not a you know, is is something that, that lasts the length of, of your business, right? So we're we're at sort of what we would classify as seed and you know, we'll do a series A and we'll sort of see where the business moves. But, you know, there's a huge opportunity if you look at this globally, this is a this is a hundred, you know. B say it's a hundred billion dollar opportunity. I think it's bigger than that. Um, and you know, for us, it's about how do we how do we really um, capitalize on that opportunity as quickly as possible. So, um, so definitely, anyone that is uh, that's looking to invest in this space, it's it's definitely a, you know, we're definitely open for conversations over the over the full journey of the business. To be honest,
0: and how do they reach you? Um, I mean
1: they can send me an email at troy at Zitcher.com if, if they uh, if they want to reach out or to Jack um,
0: Z-I-T-C-H-A.
1: com. yep that's right yep
0: And um, uh, I guess typically for seed you might look at raising I don't know half a million dollars or something is that the sort of number you're looking to no
1: nah, it's it's quite it's quite a ways north of half a million um you know we're we're we've already we've funded it to a point where, um, seed is based on it's going to be the, fir- the first layer of investment in the business. Um, but we've, we've built the business to to, a, to not a bad size. Um, so we're not really early, but we're still early within the journey of the opportunity.
2: Yeah. And, and just to add to that, I mean, we've, we've already put a couple of mil into this to build it, right? And, that, and we can continue to self-fund it now. And, and we expect to be profitable pretty quickly, like within the next 12 months. So a a tech business to be profitable is quite rare in these days, but it's also what the what's rising through the cream and, and the bloodbath that is out there. Um, but we are choosing to do a, a raise now because of the land grab and because of the opportunity that comes with a, a platform that's been in development for two years. It's got revenue, it's got, it's got media going through the platform and really it's a chance for us in the next 12 to 18 months to really build a moat around us and get some um, the runs on the board and go hard. And, and that international markets is is really important to us because it's very easy to get caught up in the worlds of what we see in Australia being you know the cartology and the Coles meter and be blinded by two small parties. But... You look at other markets where in the US, for instance, the size of a Coles is, you know, there's 50 Coles' and that's just on the Eastern Sea. And, you know, that, and so we've got to be smart about where we put our time in the next 12 months, not just our resources.
0: Now, you make a good point, Jack, on the the tech valuations bloodbath. There's been a, a fair bit reported recently that, you know, valuations for investment rounds are kind of down as a result. Um, what, what valuation have you put on the business? Uh,
2: we, haven't, we haven't got to a valuation at the moment. The, the, um, the template or the, the mode that we're going is more in a note, but that, that will depend on who we're getting involved in at the end. At the moment, we're just um, rallying up all interested parties to come to the table to work out who the best are for us. And it's important that, that that point is delivered that ultimately we need, we want our partners to really lean into the opportunity and, and really open up opportunities not only locally but internationally as well. Um, the 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 uh, instrument that we're using will be determined by the people that are at the table by the end of it. Now, we, we could easily oversubscribe at the moment. Again, we're being smarter. We're in, in no rush to be able to, um, take on investment and at 50-50, our cap table is pretty clean with Troy and I and, and you know, um, it's something that we value our independence and we value being able to make the decisions that are best for staff and the best for clients and and that independence is something that we we value highly because it's ultimately what will determine our success um, in the future. So that's that's something that we'll continue to do.
0: And that sounds presumably then that you're not really talking kind of the traditional kind of venture capital type investment necessarily. If if that's the route you're going on, um, what sort of people have invested?
2: Well, at the moment, just Troy and I are the ones that have invested, but we are we are talking to venture capital. You know, there's a, there's a lot of interest in this space, um, so we're not closing the door to anyone because some venture capitals have people that invest in their funds that. Uh, you know well well off in the retail media space or the retail space or they might have access to markets that we aren't in yet or you know it's 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 really um it's open to anyone um and it's a two-way conversation we're just not taking the money and running with it it's not money that we need it's it's more partners and Um, and someone that we want to work with. You know, that's something that Troy and I, we've we've been in the game long enough to go, you know, there's there's plenty of money if you ask for it. It's just the right money, and that's what we're being mindful of at the moment is taking the right money from the right partners
0: um, and going from there. And clearly where partners invest, they also at least want a sense of what their possible exit options are. Um, Obviously, we talked about the likes of, you know, Citrus Beam picked up by a global holding company um what what are the potential routes for you down the track do you think
1: yeah so so i think the you know the the critical thing that we're looking at is building a building a really successful sustainable business um being the first point but but i think really this space is um you know trade sale is one thing similar to citrus but you know this this space is big enough for IPO. Um, there's a, there's real opportunity, and we we sort of see, um, see this space being um, you know, being independent and really driving that independence. Um, you know, sky's the limit. Um, you know, we're right at the very start of something that I think um mm-hmm. is going to be very large. Um, it'll just be it'll be interesting to see how uh, how the different opportunity of different people that are probably looking to to acquire or um, get something in this space changes over the next sort of two, three, four years. Um, you know, I think strategics are definitely keen in this space. Like, how do they how do they catch up quickly, and how do they buy into this space or buy some technology? Um, you've obviously seen the big media networks there, either looking at building or buying in this space as well. Um, to even the the big publishers, you know, uh, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks of the world are going to obviously have a, a keen eye on where this space goes and how it plays out. So. Um, so I think it's it's going to be uh it's going to be an interesting uh journey as we as we move as we move through it.
0: Well, final question for me. Um if we uh if we check in again in a year's time, where will the business be at?
1: In a year's time, I think I mean definitely we're going to be in multi we'll be a multi-market business. Um you know, we we've sort of had the ability to incubate in this space um in Australia and New Zealand, but definitely we'll be, we'll be in multiple markets outside of this space. Um, you know, I think, you know, we, we should be at, at the, at the process of of the space being sort of further progressed. And, um, obviously from our perspective, having, having a lot more, um, retailers connected in, but, um, but really we, we want to get to the space of being, um, you know, really focused on driving, um, Great brand experiences and, and fully automating the, the media mix modeling of this space um, to to sort of really differentiate against anyone else in the market. So um, you know, twelve months is a long time, but
0: it goes uh, it goes quickly when you're trying to you build and 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 grow. And, Jack, let me bring you in as well because um, uh, I presume for you, you'll have to decide at some point if this rocket ship takes off, then you're going to have to step away from Hatch, don't you?
2: Well, I'd, luckily I've got very good um, staff in, in both organisations to carry me because I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. But um, the one thing that I will add to Troy's point in the next 12 months is we we the world talks of retail media – but we don't talk just to retailers. Anyone that has first-party data that is of value and has assets, and that asset could be, you know, digital screens in multiple venues. It could be um, an e store, It could be a whole bunch of different... It could be an email database that could be worth monetizing. We are currently talking to adjacent industries and adjacent businesses to empower them the same way that we are doing with retailers so within the next 12 months you'll start seeing this break out a little bit more beyond just retailers um, and and that's that's what is really exciting because then you start can start creating networks like-minded networks that are all attached to you know data that is built in similar um, structures and whatnot and getting closer to the point of sale that that's really that's really exciting to me in terms of building into green fields that um people aren't really talking to but that's certainly where our view is um you know in the next 12 months you'll start seeing a bit of that
0: too well we'll check in and see troy and jack thank you very much for your time Thanks for having us. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for listening to The Unmakers from Unmade. If you're an Unmaker, I'd love to talk to you. Email me, tim at unmade media. Today's episode of The Unmakers was edited by Abe's Audio. I'm Tim Burrows. Before you remake it, you've got to unmake it. The Unmakers. Podcast edit by Abe's
1: Audio.